2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
1: It's 1203,
3: March 10th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for the Friday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. The arrival of a baby is certainly a time for financial action. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, as mentioned, the government jobs report for February tops today's data. Let's break it down with the help of Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com, based in Palm Beach Garden. Florida and Greg uh, there was a little bit of surprising uh, information there specifically I think the, the payrolls rose 311,000 that was more than expected
4: it was and that comes on the heels of what was a blistering pace in January and that number had been expected I think to be revised down significantly and it was revised down by only a whisker so you've got the combination of a very 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 strong January and another pretty strong month in February. That's not the type of cooling that the Federal Reserve was is hoping to see. Uh, it is going to take more time, and then that could force the Fed to, you know, kind of underscore that mantra we've been hearing all week about rates continuing to rise and staying
3: higher for longer. Help us understand what sectors led when it comes to job creation in this latest report.
4: Yeah, leisure and hospitality. And, and I don't know that this is job creation as much as it's job recovery. There are 105,000 uh, new jobs added in February in that sector, uh, which is a little bit above the average of the past six months. But that sector is still more than 400,000 jobs shy of where it had been February of 2020, uh, three years ago, just prior to the pandemic. Uh, retail, government, health care professional and business services all came in with pretty solid months, and months that were really consistent with what their averages have been over the last six months. So, you know, I talk again about, you know, the Fed wants the labor market to cool down. We're really not seeing a whole lot of evidence of that.
3: Right. And that's obviously going to be weighing on the Fed as is uh, Tuesday's CPI. But I- I'm curious, does this sort of indicate then a-, a more aggressive approach to tackling inflation? I think there was sort of a little bit of optimism being <laughs> held out here that that, that maybe was going to be off the table.
4: It doesn't cement the deal one way or the other as to whether or not the Fed raises rates by a quarter or half a percentage point later this week. You know, maybe, maybe we'll be able to say that after the Consumer Price Index comes out next Tuesday. But it does underscore that whole idea that we've been hearing, which is the Fed is not close to pivoting. They're not close to stopping the rate hikes. They're going to continue to raise heights, raise rates. And just how high they go and how long they stay there is very much an open-ended question.
3: Now, you alluded to this uh, just a couple moments ago, but I do want to circle back and sort of gain a little bit wider perspective when we're talking about the job market. How does this February report compare to pre-pandemic employment levels? Because, yes, we're seeing surprisingly strong numbers uh, today, but let's put that into the scope of of pre-COVID-19.
4: We have a, a labor force participation, which is basically the number of people that are either employed uh, or looking for a job. Uh, it's still well below where it was in February of 2020. One of the reasons unemployment is so low and there are almost two open jobs for every unemployed worker is there are a lot of people that are still on the sidelines. Uh, if you look at the number of employed people relative to the population, uh, that's about a full percentage point below where it was in february of 2020 and we're talking about a labor force that's 164 million people so you know one percentage point pretty significant we're talking a couple million uh workers on the sidelines now that would have been in the workforce two years uh, three years ago
3: thanks so much greg mcbride chief financial analyst at bankrate.com coming up financial moves to make awaiting the arrival of a child <laughs>
2: The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: The arrival of a baby can certainly be a hectic time as new parents deal with a laundry list of tasks including... Time to find some much-needed rest, but you do need to take some time for some financial planning. Let's get help this afternoon from Mark Horner, a wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management based in Wheaton. And Mark, uh, this could, uh, listen, a baby in itself is daunting, but then you think about how much it costs to have a baby and to raise it and think about things like college. Now's the time to start having those conversations.
5: It's a long list, Rachel. You're right, but uh, time is uh, is your biggest friend. So getting started early on some of those on some of those goals is really the the most important thing to do. So talking about college, the sooner you get started saving for college, the 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 better. And then also, you know, on the other side of the equation, I guess the less happy side of the equation, it's it's important to think about and prepare for what might happen if something happens to one. Uh, to one of the parents. And so I'm talking about life insurance there. So when a, a child arrives, it, it, it's a great time to be thinking about getting some life insurance put in place. And so life insurance comes in two forms. There's uh, term life and then permanent life, but you can get term life insurance for a couple of hundred bucks a year to get to get a, a lot of coverage. And then uh, related to that is thinking about uh, getting in place a will. So who might take care of the the little one if you're not if you're not around so thinking about guardianship issues for uh for your kids again if if you're if you're gone so yeah there are a lot of things to, a lot of things to be thinking about when that little one arrives
3: and i think a lot of people think about setting aside money creating a little bit of a nest egg either for emergencies or as we mentioned a college fund but but the other side of this is finding savings where you can maybe you can help us understand are there tax breaks that people can take advantage of
5: uh, you know, there there are tax breaks associated with making contributions to a 529 plan. That's going to vary state by state. But yeah, here in, here in Illinois, there are some tax advantages as well to getting started saving for college. Uh, so that that's going to be another reason, though, to get started on the college savings.
3: And again, I think uh, maybe some parents are under the assumption that they need to have... Um a certain number set aside or but you mentioned at the very beginning of the segment time is sort of on your side. so even if you're able to set it but just a little bit each month, it really does make a difference by the time your new baby is off to college.
5: Absolutely so so getting getting uh, getting hung up on on what what number, I need to be saving I think is, is much less important than getting started and so getting started with whatever number your personal budget allows for and setting up an automatic contribution again to either for that college savings or to go ahead and pay for some extra life insurance getting that in place and started and automated as best you can though that's a great place to start and then financial planning none of this is set in stone So that's something that you would revisit uh, a year from now and see see if the budget allows for upping some of those contributions. Getting started far and away is the most important step.
3: Thanks for the advice. Mark Horner, a wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton.
2: Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: The Silicon Valley Bank in California has been closed by regulators. Let's discuss the fallout with Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based here in Chicago. And Mike, this is one of the largest bank failures in in recent memory, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Well, good afternoon, Rachel, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is a, a lot bigger bank than I think a lot of uh, people are, were aware. It was, the, I believe, the 16th biggest bank by assets in the country. So it's it's not like just some little regional bank uh, failing here. And, I mean, they, it was worth $20 billion market cap uh, a week ago, and now uh, investors are, are left with zero. So this is a pretty major event i mean i would i would hesitate to compare it to lehman brothers because that was a, a a symptom of a much much bigger problem at the time this may be a one-off we're not sure but it is a big bank and and then you have to look at okay who's going to be affected by 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 this uh besides obviously equity holders of the bank which are probably going to it's going to go to zero but uh you also look at at anyone that had accounts there um, and and then also other banks that had relationships with this bank.
3: Yeah, what's going to happen? You've got these large companies, wealthy individuals pouring money into into SVB, and and I'm guessing that insurance only goes fo- so far when it comes to getting their money back.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So FDIC insures the first two hundred fifty thousand, so that doesn't help the, the big uh, the big guys. Um, and you know the, the market coming going down here is is in response to that. We don't know what the fallout is. Whenever a a big bank fails like this, you don't know what the fallout is. And so, you know, we're going into a weekend, of course, so we have a weekend to to worry about it. So investors are going to probably use their feet and get out, uh, and they are right now. And they've been doing that to small banks, regional banks throughout the week. The KRE, which is basically the... uh, its ETF for regional banks is down 20% this week alone. So investors have been sniffing this out for a while. This is going to go down as the first bank failure ever driven by social media because that's basically how this started to, to the run started, is, is it started to go on Twitter and, 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 and just the run started. And once a bank run starts, even if the bank was healthy, which i 'm not saying that this svP was, it really wasn 't but um, even if the bank is healthy, if a bank run happens, you almost you just can 't stop it. so the regulators stepped in, they saw what was what was going to happen, and they just basically closed the bank down and uh, now we 'll have to see what happens, but investors uh, are, uh, depositors are 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 safe up to two hundred and fifty thousand, but after that it 's going to be probably a bankruptcy type procedure where Um, the big holders are going to have to fight it out in bankruptcy court.
3: Still a big question mark. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional
0: your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
3: Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Pearson, and for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM.
1: This is Mike Krauser. The president's budget plan includes funding for the CTA's Red Line extension.
3: An Illinois congressman wants to know about an FBI search involving his name in an intelligence database. An entrepreneur Friday finding solutions to deal with food waste. Plus. Changing of clocks, like we'll do this weekend, can impact productivity at work. WBBM Business, the Dow down 365 points, NASDAQ off 195, and the S&P 500 down 57 points. AccuWeather says it's going to be cloudy the rest of today as temperatures top out at 38 degrees. Winds making it feel more like the 20s. It's 1231. President Biden's proposed 2024 budget includes a piece of the puzzle needed to fund the long-planned southern extension
1: of the CTA red line. The president said in Philadelphia, the budget is about investing in all of America, including places and people who have been forgotten. That sums up far southsiders when it comes to train service. Too many people have been left behind or treated like they're invisible. Not anymore. I promise you, I see you. The budget includes $350 million for the project to extend the red line more than five miles from 95th Street to 130th Street. A small portion of the $3.6 billion price tag, but it adds to what's in the pipeline. The city would still need about $2.5 billion. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM.
3: Congressman Darren LaHood of Peoria is accusing the FBI of wrongfully searching for his name in surveillance data. The Republican has not said why the agency may have searched his name information collected under a provision of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. The FBI says it's offered LaHood a classified briefing to discuss the circumstances of its inquiry.
2: Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: Markets trading lower. We're joined by Gary Kolbom, president of Kolbom Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. And Gary, sometimes uh, good news is bad news for Wall Street. We had a relatively strong February jobs report, but the market's reacting negatively to it. Help
6: us understand why. Uh, the market is not reacting to the uh, jobs number. The market's reacting to the 16th largest a bank in the country being taken over uh, by our government uh, to prevent uh, further deterioration elsewhere. So there's now a worry, is there anything else out there? And look, the, the banking system is our pipeline. And when you see something like that, Uh, markets tend to uh, shoot first and ask questions later. That's what they're concentrating on right here.
3: Right. And with the announcement of SVB being uh, taken over by the uh, FDIC, this is also coming on a Friday. So that sort of leads a weekend of uncertainty. Investors, you think, are going to be pulling back until we really – because we don't exactly know what the fallout is going to look like come Monday.
6: Well, the worry is termites. If the 16th largest bank uh, – this can happen to them – What will happen to very much smaller banks and the worst acting area of the market is the regional bank index, which in the last four days is down a measly 20 percent. So that's the market talking, which uh, sometimes overreacts, sometimes very smart. Uh, But leave no doubt. uh, uh, Caution is the buzzword here, and you can see it in the action in the markets here.
3: Let's circle back uh, to the jobs report, and specifically it's it, having to deal with inflation and the Fed. Talking about Fed policy, do you see an aggressive monetary move ahead of us? Uh,
6: I think they have, they're going to uh, uh, raise rates higher. I think maybe they may slow down a little bit based on what just happened with the banks, because they have to address that also. Uh, but I do believe they're going to be taking rates to five, five and a quarter percent. Uh, in the next couple of months, uh, whether that really hurts or not, another story. I will tell you this today, you have a real big flight to safety in the 10-year yield plunging uh, down to 3.7% from over 3.9% yesterday. Uh, I don't know if that's great news. I think it's more people parking money, hey, get me out of the way, into riskless uh, income investments.
3: Right. And what advice would you give to individual investors who see something like the Silicon Valley Bank closure, worrying that it could have further ramifications within the markets? What do you tell individual investors?
6: Uh, Use your sleep indicator. If if you uh, can't sleep at night, it means you you own too much stock. Uh, and recognize for the past year and a half, it's been a very, very rough market. And there are headwinds out there. When the Fed's raising rates, it's a headwind. When earnings are not very good, it's a headwind. Uh, so it's something that uh, every investor should uh, consider uh, as you move forward. And the other part of the consideration is you can buy a one-year Treasury bill right now and get 5% and not have to worry about any of this. And you didn't have that a year and a half ago.
3: Right. now, Obviously, uh, regional bank stocks not looking great today, but what areas of the market do you find attractive right now?
6: Uh, I I think cash is um, my area that's attractive. Uh, There are some names that I actually love, but if the market worsens, they'll take them in also. There's a few technology names that are showing extraordinary relative strength because they have great earnings and sales. Uh, But if the market gets in trouble again, we get a real another leg down. There's a simple line I use, eventually they get them all. So I'm not thrilled with much right here. And I just think you take a step back and uh, you have be a little patient.
3: And the other question that I want to sort of pick your brain at is, is what advice do you have for people that are, that are investing in a 401k, thinking about making short-term changes here?
6: Well, look, if people have been in 401ks and they've been investing for 25 years uh, and doing it every quarter, they're in great shape. Uh, I I wouldn't change that. You know, the one thing we do have in the market since the markets have opened, uh, eventually we go to all-time highs again. Uh, Maybe it takes some time. Maybe you go through some trouble. But uh, over time, usually we get there. So I don't know if I'd be changing anything, but it all goes back to how the individual feels. Don't worry about what somebody else feels. If you feel like you have too much, uh, take a little action. You can always get back in.
3: Appreciate the advice. Gary Kolbom, president of Kolbom Capital Management. You can find them online at garyk.com. Up next, a check on where the Dow theory of the market stands.
2: Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
3: The time-tested Dow Theory has been an excellent tool for investors as they try to navigate through those rough financial waters over the past year. Joining us with the latest is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. Chuck, great to have you with us. Uh, The Dow Theory would suggest that the market is bearish. Help us understand why.
7: Well, the Dow theory looks at two things, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the Dow Jones Transportation Average. And from the movements of those two indices determines whether the market's primary trend, the trend that typically lasts a minimum of eight months, if not longer, is bearish or bullish. The Dow theory has been on a bear market signal now for the last several months uh, for most of, of 2021, I'm sorry, most of 2022, uh, and into 2023, and the reason for that is that we have not had what you need to see under those two indices uh, to to change the trend from from bearish to bullish. We were close uh, when the Dow Jones Industrial Average did get fairly close to what we deemed an important high level, and that was the the late November high in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And in fact, the Dow Jones Transportation Average did super did exceed their late November level. But you need both of the indices to confirm one another. We didn't get that confirmation in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and then the market promptly sold off. So right now, the the primary trend is is still b- bearish under the Dow theory.
3: And what levels are you watching, and at what point does it tip and things start to turn around?
7: Well, I mean, the levels are pretty well established. In the case of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, the, again, that late November high of about 34,600 in that range is a very important level that the market would need to close above. The industrials would need to close above to, to give you some indication of a change in the trend from bearish to bullish. On the downside, you know it, it, the late September lows are coming into play now. Uh, that low is about 28,700 on the Dow Jones industrial average and about 12,000 on the the Dow Jones transportation average. And you're probably, you know, we are seeing what could amount to a a greater test of those September lows. You would hate to see those lows get taken out because that would be a a reconfirmation of the bearish trend and probably, probably lead to more aggressive selling. So the market's, you know, kind of in the middle point of some pretty important inflection points. And And again, hopefully those those September lows do hold for both the Dow Industrials and the Dow Transports.
3: Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana.
2: Cash, credit, debit and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
3: We're getting ready to spring forward early Sunday morning, and that time change can put some people out of rhythm. Let's talk about the impact of daylight saving time on productivity at work with Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half here in Chicago. And Michelle, look, I can speak to this firsthand. I work weekends every time we either spring forward, fall back. It's only an hour, but it makes a big difference.
0: It makes a huge difference. That hour of sleep Definitely, I think all of us as managers see a negative impact on, you know, just our employee productivity from that loss of one hour.
3: Well, and let's talk about it's not just, there's a lot of factors that play into a person's productivity, right? And and part of that is their sleep schedule, but part of it too is just their overall mood. And I know if I lose an hour of sleep, uh, (laughs) I'm a little less pleasant than I may have been the day before. Absolutely.
0: I think that first Monday after spring ahead, Um, is always kind of a tread lightly Monday morning type of thing. And, you know, for us, we recommend that companies take that kind of into perspective and maybe be cautious about the meetings they set or the goals they're trying to accomplish on that first Monday morning back. Maybe move those into the afternoon.
3: Yeah, giving your employees time to adjust because it, it is, I mean, I know that the clocks change Sunday morning, but before you know it, you're back at work on Monday.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, at this time of year in Chicagoland, it's always a little gray, you know, you lose that hour of sleep. And so I think you want to be cautious just about, you know, the effectiveness of your employees, even their safety in some concerns, if they're in, you know, manual type roles. Um, And it's okay to say we don't have to, you know, accomplish the world Monday morning, maybe it's a Monday afternoon, but also being cognizant of, you know, on that Monday, Workers are probably logging off right at 5 p.m. and being done for the day and will be much better place mood wise effectiveness on Tuesday.
3: Yeah, you made an interesting point, too, about uh, sort of the the equipment aspect of things. I mean, look, I talk into a microphone and push buttons, but there are people working heavy machinery and, and those are the people that really need a good night's sleep.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you just have to take all of that into consideration. I know we all have goals of work that we need to get done and, you know, things that we have to hit productivity-wise, But we certainly want to keep employees safe and, um, you know, just have them doing their best work possible.
3: Thanks so much, Michelle Reisdorf, a Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half. As a reminder, we're springing forward early Sunday morning. Plus, you'll find our past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app.